today on Growth Mindset University. They're feeling down and out about their relationships. What would you tell them, advise them? Listen, the love is not enough. <laughs> now available on Audible. <laughs> You're listening to Growth Mindset University, educating tomorrow's leaders with lessons from today's entrepreneurial elite. It's a progressive new age of business we find ourselves in, and we'll help you find the success you seek by listening to today's industry professionals and thought leaders teach us the lessons we should have learned in school but didn't. Now, please welcome your host, Jordan Paris. My guest today, he's a returning guest. He's the author of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. He's the author of Everything is Fucked. He wrote a book called Models, How to Attract Women Through... Uh, what's the subtitle on that one? How to Attract Women Through Honesty, I believe, is, is the subtitle. Something Honestly, along... Yeah. yeah, right. And then, most recently... He's got a new Audible original out. It's only on Audible. It's called Love Is Not Enough. And I have gone through all four of those books, including the last one that I started on a Wednesday night and finished early on a Saturday morning. So pretty much Wednesday to Friday, seven-hour audiobook. I liked it that much that I consumed it that quickly. And I was sad that it was over because I really enjoyed the stories in there. The format of it is just super unique. It's I don't even want to put it down by saying it's almost like a really highly produced seven-hour podcast about relationships. <laughs> it's way more than that. I just don't know how else to describe it, but I think you should go get that. Love is not enough, an Audible original. Go get it on Audible right now. And our first interview together where Mark and I talked about Everything is Fucked, a little bit of the subtle art, and his roots. That's at jordanparis.com slash EP99. Mark Manson, welcome back to the show. It's good to be here, man. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, as I I mentioned to you just moments ago before we started rolling here, that I am particularly excited about talking about relationships with you today because – romantic relationships are not exactly my strong suit. Like that's definitely in an area of lack in my life. I've just not been able to sustain anything too long-term. And I had dreamed about like, even after Mark, our first interview, I was like, Oh my God. Cause I started reading models. I was like, Oh my God. I would just love to talk with Mark about dating, but there I am seeing models like came out 2011 or 2012 or something like that. And I'm like, ah, he's moved. You know, it seems like he's moved on. He doesn't really want to talk about this stuff anymore. So when I saw (laughs) love is not enough come out, I was ecstatic that you're diving back into this world. So, so thank you for taking on the, the, the tackling the challenge of relationships. Absolutely. You know, it's, uh, Dating relationships has kind of been my bread and butter. It's how I started my career. And, you know, when Audible approached me to do a project with them, I, I started asking myself, I'm like, okay, like what what topic is better on audio? Like what what is going to come across better, um, you know, talking to people face-to-face about their life than it is, say, just me writing a book? And and it's funny because I I've tried to write uh, kind of a more serious relationship book 
a couple times and like, you know, outline one, started writing a first chapter or two. And every time I, I it just kind of like lost interest. Um, and so it, it just immediately struck me. It's like, man, a, a relationship book, like getting people with like all sorts of screwed up problems in here, hearing all about them, hear about like their crazy breakups and decisions and like awful stories, you know, like this is just so ripe for the audio format, you know, like getting all the the juicy drama and yeah. and emotion out. So it was it was a ton of fun and uh um ended up talking to a to a number of like really great and interesting people and um you know learned a bunch along the way. Yeah, it was so novel the format of it. Like just something that I've never consumed before and that was part of why it was so enjoyable for me to go through. So again, love is not enough on Audible. There's nothing out there like it and you know you you talk about you know you mentioned there in passing how you know you you start off as like a, a you know your career as really a dating you start blogging about dating and relationships i was listening to to that part in our podcast last year and you know you were a dating relationships coach and like why mark did you start to learn about relationships was it something you did intentionally or did it just happen you realize like oh i'm really good at this i started learning about it because i was my relationships were a disaster (laughs) and i wanted to understand why um yeah i you know through my early 20s i had just a number of really spectacular blow-ups and (laughs) breakups and uh you know it was just like a wake of destruction in my <laughs> behind me, you know, and so I I started to wonder why, like, what's what am I doing wrong here? Like, what yeah. what is it? Something with me? Is it is it? Am I only meeting crazy people? Like, I don't uh, I don't know that, what's going on. Was that the pattern? Like, you just you kept you started you kept you're meeting like the same types of people that just weren't for you. Like, what was what were your problems back then? Well, you know, I I had. I had pretty severe commitment issues and, but I wasn't mature enough or aware enough to know that about myself yet. And so all I knew was that my partners would often make me feel very anxious and suffocated. And, and so I would have these kind of irrational reactions to, to things that in hindsight are like pretty normal couple behavior you know suffocated Um, suffocated like you weren't getting enough alone time because i can was that it it's no i mean it's it's irrational right so it's it's just this irrational feeling that i was going to be tied down and lose my freedom and lose control over my own life and it it was and it would often be triggered by like really kind of minor or dumb situations and and looking back at like it makes sense why i was so i was so insecure about that because i didn't know how to assert control over my own life in relationships like i was i was very needy and codependent in a lot of ways and i based a lot of my behaviors and opinions and beliefs on the people around me or the people i wanted to impress or to be uh appreciated by and so no wonder i i 
was constantly afraid of like losing my autonomy because I was giving it away freely to yeah. these people. Um, and so it, it was just like a really ugly dynamic. And there's a, there's a flip side of that dynamic that, you know, the, you can play as well. And, and the women I dated tend, tended to play that flip side, you know? So it, it's, um, it was just kind of ugly and I had a bunch of bad experiences. And so I, I just got very into reading and researching it myself. And around the same time I was, um, uh, and I think I mentioned this on the last podcast, but like I, I, you know, I read Tim Ferriss's four hour work week and it just come yes. out and, and, uh, and so I was starting a bunch of websites. I was starting like a bunch of like affiliate marketing sites and, um, you know, different like e- trying to start e-commerce sites and all this stuff. And um, and I was like, you know what? Like, why don't I, I, I saw that some of the relationship books that I had read um, they had like affiliate links or they did like affiliate programs. And so I'm like, you know what? Like, let me create a blog and promote some of this stuff um, and see what happens. And sure enough that was that was the blog that started to take off well talking about your autonomy and you know you having commitment issues i i have this i almost use this as an excuse mark i'm 22 now and i almost use an as an excuse as to like why i you know i don't put myself out there all the time as like, oh, you know, I'm hustling right now. Like I'm making money. I'm doing podcasts with awesome people. I'm doing like I I don't you know I'm I don't want to be pulled away from that stuff. I don't want to be distracted. And you know I can look back and see oh you know this relationship if it had worked out the way I had wanted to years ago X Y and Z would not have happened for me down the line. And that's true. Like I can point to some relationships and be like, yeah, that would have been bad and I, yeah. god only knows where i'd be but i feel like there's definitely there's definitely a place where a what is it a rising tide lifts all boats and you can you know you can find that middle ground like how how does one get the best of both worlds get the relationship and the thriving career like that's possible right yeah i mean it's it's high risk, high reward. So generally, if you get in, if you find yourself, first of all, like, let's just be flat out. Dating takes a lot of time and energy. And so if you're trying to get a business off the ground or, you know, in, in hustle mode, as you said, you know, I can understand for going dating for a period of time, but at some point, like you can't mm. do that forever. And no. I remember back, back when I used to work with clients, I remember that a lot of my clients were, they, and I loved it too because they were like the easiest clients ever. But it was basically like overachievers who had spent like their entire twenties building like this incredible career, and then suddenly they were thirty-two and hadn't been on a date in like eight years, mm. and and didn't even remember what it was like how to meet women, how mm. to date people, uh, and so it's you know I don't think it's healthy to end up like like those people either you know you want you want to have some sort of just same way you need to have a healthy social life to just be a healthy individual like you you should have some sort of healthy intimate life happening yeah uh, most of the time but i will say this when you do have a healthy relationship like when you really do find somebody who's good for you 
and understands you and works with you, honestly, man, it makes you more productive. And uh, it's, it, it. That's counterintuitive. Yeah. It is. And it's um, like, my wife makes me so much better at my job. And it's not just like, I mean, she's, she's really smart and has a, a, a long background in marketing and advertising. So she gives me like really good advice and feedback on things, but also like she's, she's always in my corner. She's always looking out for my own interests. You know, the, a lot of people that you might go to for advice on business matters, they, you know, they have their experiences or they have, maybe they have some sort of, uh, not ulterior motive, but like they have a bias, right? You know, it's like, there this is how their industry works and it's what works for them and so they're going to tell you a certain thing um whereas when you when you have a partner who's like has nothing to do with your business or industry it's completely unaffiliated but they are like your biggest fan and supporter yeah they they will give you that uh that completely honest feedback or 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 listen to whatever your problem is and and really give you that like kind of objective third party feedback um and that's not even getting into like the emotional support, you know, it's like, if you're stressed out, like she distresses me. Um, if I'm like pissed off about something, she calms me down. So it's, there's a very, um, there, there's a, there's a subtle and, and under promoted side of relationships that really does affect your professional life big time. What about if, you know, let's say in, you know, in, in my case where like, I just, I, we're, we're, I'm going to lay my problem out there, Mark. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Go for it. Uh, this is my fucking problem. I, you know, seldom have, and this is going to shock like a lot of people. I don't really, I don't talk about this publicly, but I've never really had a relationship longer than five weeks. It's happened before where you know, I go after the party girl and that just never really, you know, going after the 21 year old party girl never really works out. And, you know, that obviously like disintegrates very quickly. And, you know, I'm like, I end up being the chaser and, you know, I, and then I become needy and it's just like, it's just a disaster. And I feel like crap. It's also happened where it's the other way around where the other person's kind of chasing me and I, feel like suffocating i'm like suffocating like spending too much time with them it's like oh my god i just need some me time like i just need yeah. to and and i just let it i just let it fade um i just let the whole thing fall apart and so yeah. both ways you know i've never really had anything longer than five weeks so obviously on the flip side of that i think like you know, but everyone says like, oh, you know, I'm a catch and, you know, my, my life is in order, Mark. It's, it's very much in order <laughs> and my <laughs> lifestyle's in order. I wear the clothes that fit. I, you know, I, I, you know, my career's great. Uh, and I'm only 22. Obviously yeah. I have some sort of blind spot. Yeah. I well, mean, how do you uncover those blind spots? Sure. So, I mean, you're young, right? So it's, it's, you still got time with this. Like it's, your experience is not atypical for your age group or your age range. Um, and I, I would describe it like this. Like there's like there's a, a curve to uh, anything in life. Like there's definitely a curve to relationship and intimacy skills. Like, like navigating 
emotionally figuring out how to navigate um, relationships, how to spot like those those girls that are going to suffocate you early on and just, mm. you know, pass passing on the first date or the second date rather than, you know, the eighth. Um, right. That's part of my problem too. I pick wrong. Yeah. That's, I that mean, people it, tell me all the time I pick wrong. So it, it's, it's, um, you know, much in the same way. And again, this is an argument for getting out there and, and having these experiences because it, it we all pick wrong at first and, or, or most of us do. Very, very, very few people pick right the first time or the, even the first couple times. Most of us pick wrong a lot of times before we start picking right. And it, and the reason that is, is it, it, it's like, it's like starting business projects, right? It's like when you first start out, you have no fucking clue what you're doing. Everything bombs, everything messes up. And, but it's from those mess ups that you start gathering information and and getting feedback on like, okay, well this, you know, to make better decisions on the next try. And it's the same thing with dating. Like you have to kind of go through that minefield and have things blow up in your face to, to figure out how to, how to navigate it yourself. Um, you know, and in your particular case, it sounds like you're, you're getting into situations where, um, where it's either they're the runner and you're the chaser or you're the runner and they're the chaser, you know, and both, both of those situations, like both of those contexts are, are just unhealthy contexts. Those are contexts where, where there's not, uh, an emotional availability, um, really on either side. And so it's, it definitely sounds like you are, I would just, you know, for you, I would just be start becoming skeptical, like start paying attention to the, to, to the, people that you're you tend to be attracted to um what it is about them that attracts you and then become skeptical of those things start asking yourself mm-hmm. why is that attractive to me why am i really is that really going to make me happy or give me a good relationship or right. is that or is that just this like story i created in my head of like that's what an attractive woman looks like or acts like um because a lot of a lot of our scripts of what to be attracted to are not our own. They were either handed to us by our parents or by the culture at large. Uh, and Hollywood. A, a lot of those scripts do not fit us. And so you need to, you have to like develop the ability to start being critical of your own scripts and, and ask and like really try to get at the root of like, you know, why am I into that? And, and, usually when you're attracted to to something that's unhealthy it's it's rooted in some sort of insecurity like i i was very attracted to the crazy party girl yeah. for a long time but looking back it was it was so it was an insecurity in me that felt like i i needed to be the kind of guy that could get a party girl like that um oh, i was just going to say yes like i mean this is i was just going to say my hypothesis Right now is that, you know, I was, I was not a cool kid in high school. I had one friend. I did not date girls. It was just like, I, I was, I was deprived for lack of a yeah. better term. And when I get to college and I'm like, cool. And I now still four years later, like, you know, being cool for the, I'm still like getting used to being cool for the first time in my life. And like to be able to get the hot girl that everyone's looking at is like 
it's a va- very validating thing. And it's I an think ego boost for sure. Yeah. I think that's especially when you were, when you were, you know, the kid, I, I mean, I had a similar story, you know, when you're the kid who's like shoved in the lockers and th- throughout high school <laughs> and who like girls laugh at, you know, suddenly you're the guy like getting the really hot girl at the party. You know, it's just like, it's like crack, man. You're like, oh, right. give me more of this. Like, right. this is what I want. But it's not real. It's not like that's not a real relationship. That's you proving something to yourself or proving something to other people about you. Um, and it's and it's very hard to like get past that um, and 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 actually see the see the woman for who she is. Right. See the woman for who she is. Uh, I think, you know, Robert Greene in uh, The Laws of Human Nature has a really great character, a really great chapter all about character. And, you know, there's a great quote in there from maybe, uh, you know, some ancient philosopher, Heraclitus, maybe it's character is fate or character is destiny. And so the message in that chapter is, to plumb their depths for their character. Try to look past this, that, the other thing. Try to look past their looks. Try to look past their, you know, the facade. And instead, try to get at, you know, what is at the root of their character. Uh, so, I sure. think, yeah, definitely very important that, uh, you know, adjacently kind of hits on what you're saying there. And, I, and- yeah. I'll add to this too, like the context in which you meet these people. So for instance, like that party girl, if you meet her at a party, she's going to be, she's going to be one way. Whereas if you meet her say mm-hmm. in class mm-hmm. or through like a study group or something, she's likely going to be a completely different way. And the context matters. It it, it affects, it's kind of sets a precedent of, the relationship. Um, and so it's, it's just something to be aware of. You know, I think one thing, one thing I've noticed over the years in general is that a lot of people who struggle with dating, one of the most common problems is they're just simply looking in the wrong place. Oh, they're, they're, they're either looking for the wrong person or like they're looking at the wrong people or they're looking at the right people in the wrong context. So, pandemic aside, where are great places and contexts to look? Well, generally, it's you want to follow, you know, whatever your personal interests and values are, you want to kind of match that in the world. This is why, you know, in models, I argue that actually, like, the best way to meet somebody who's good for you is to simply live out your values as best as possible. So, it's like, Mm -hmm. if your number one priority in your life right now is building a business um and and building up your career then start asking yourself like okay where are the women who are in the same industry or who are in adjacent industries who are also have share my goals have my same values and priorities um they're definitely not like doing a keg stand at the party <laughs> <laughs> you know so it's they're at a conference they're at a seminar they're at uh-huh. a you know a, a class on entrepreneurship um you know, those are those are the women that you're gonna you're gonna have kind of that instant chemistry with. What was it you said? 
the best way to what is to live out your values, the best way to attract the woman you want or something along those lines. I just thought it was, that's like, bam, I love that. And I think it's really, uh, I think that's going to help a lot of people. I got a big question. Sure. Why do you think the divorce rate is so high? Um, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's actually come down a little bit the last 15 or 20 years. That's good. But it's still high. I mean, I think it's like, it's around 38 or 40% or something like that. But it's, so the divorce rate, it's, I mean, there are a lot of reasons for it, but let me, let me, let me, let me cast a, a rosier picture because a lot of people get bummed out about the divorce rate and kind of throw it around as, yeah. um, as like a very cynical criticism of commitment and marriage. <laughs> um, if you control for, so first of all, the vast majority of, or not the vast majority, but like a large percentage of divorces, like I think almost half of divorces are second, third, fourth, and fifth divorces. So it it's one of these situations where there are, it's not that like half of the population is getting divorced. It's more like there's like 20 to 25% of the population getting divorced and they get divorced multiple times. Um, so it's really skewing the data. It skews the data. So yes. it's not that half of relationships in. Well, okay, half of relationships in, but it's half of people don't end up divorced in their life. And then on top of that, it's, you know, the if you look at the biggest predictors of divorce, two of them are uh, uh, education and socioeconomic status. So if you, if you focus only on say college educated people and focus only on middle, middle class and up, um, the divorce rate drops to like 10 or 20%, you know? So it's, it's, if you are, so it, it, when you take the whole society, the number for all of society as a whole, it looks very bleak and upsetting, but, um, it's not that, bad. you know, it, it, it's not that bad. I mean, I'm assuming most of your listeners are college educated, middle class, upper middle class. Um, you know, so it's, a, you know, for that demographic, it's actually, it's really not that bad at all. And then I think the reason it's coming down is that, you know, the younger generations are more, well, <laughs> let's put it this way. Um, you know, my parents divorced, like I think all the baby boomers got divorced and I know I grew up with my parents telling me, don't marry till you're 30. Um, and so people are just waiting a lot longer to get married. People are, are I think the yes. average age, you know, it used to be 50 years ago, the average age of marriage was like 21. Now, now the average age is like 28 or 29. And generally it's like when you're 28, 29, you're way more mature. You are, uh, you have more experience, you know what you like, um, you're better at communicating. And, um, yeah, it's, so it's, I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on marriage and, and I, I bullish. I, I am. I, I, I'm, I am, um, and may, who knows, maybe it's, it's cause I, I just got married a few years ago, but like <laughs> I have been as somebody who spent much of his young life skeptical of marriage and, uh, even at times like thought it was ridiculous and wondered why anybody would do that. Um, I have been both surprised and amazed at how 
uh, meaningful it's been in my own life. And um, so I've, I've definitely, I've started becoming more vocal, like vocally supportive of it because I feel like all you hear, most of what you hear is very critical. Now, God forbid you got divorced. Would you get married again? Maybe. Um, I wouldn't be against it necessarily, you know? Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's a powerful, it's a powerful social ritual in that it, it binds you to another person. It like really takes a commitment and makes it tangible. Like there are actual, you are socially identified by that commitment. Um, there are consequences of that commitment, um, both good and bad. And it's, you know, it makes it real. It makes it you like, you have to live it. And I've just found that to be much different than, than say, you know, just being committed to a girlfriend for an indefinite period of time. Right. So, you know, let's say, and, and there are a lot of these cases out there. I know people, you know, people that, you know, they've been married once and, you know, unfortunately, maybe, they, you know, no matter what it was, maybe they didn't pick right and, you know, realize this person is, you know, not what they thought, who they thought they were. And, and now they're divorced and they're scared to get married again. What would you like, what would you, what would you say to them? What would you advise them? Well, I, I think the fear is justified. And and actually, one of the one of the people on on Love Is Not Enough is yes is a is a guy named Jerry, and he's been through two divorces, and both were like traumatic and financially um, even. Yeah, well, and he keeps. <laughs> I I love him. He's an accountant, so he like oh. <laughs> he keeps thinking. I mean, he he just kept saying he's like. He's like, Mark, I can't lose half my shit again. Yeah, I, it's yeah, just, I it's too much. It's just too much. <laughs> but, um, what, are you, what about, what about a, what do they call it? A prenup? Yeah. Yeah. How, is that okay? Like, is that acceptable? How, I know we're getting off track, but sure. But. I, you know, I, I think it, it's become a lot more acceptable, um, in this day and age. And, and I think it's, it's something that every couple should talk about. Um, for sure. How do you bring you up know, that like, conversation? I wouldn't, well, I don't, he, I, I'm so scared that I won't be able to bring that up. <laughs> well, here's the thing, right? Is like, if you can't bring that up, then you probably shouldn't be marrying the person in the Shit. first place. <laughs> Shit. But why? But why? I know, I know you, you I know you, you talk about this with Jerry. You, you, yeah. But isn't that more, that's more a reflection of me and the work I need to do on myself and not that, not the other person. No, but it's, it's also, I mean, like any which way you cut it, it means it's not, you're not ready. Right. So it's like, if you're oh. too afraid, if you're too afraid to bring it up just because you're insecure about it, then that means you're probably not ready. If you're, if you're afraid to bring it up because you think your partner will explode and flip out, then you shouldn't be marrying them. You know, if right. you're afraid to bring it up because you think it's going to cause a huge, you know, it, it's, it's serious topics. You know, I think one, 
the whole audiobook is basically about how we should stop optimizing our relationships for love. Like love is important. Love definitely matters, but it can't be the thing we optimize for. We have to optimize for something more important than love. And I would say one of those things is you got to commit to somebody who you can have serious conversations with. You know, it, it's, it's, um, if you can't, if you can't talk about finances, if you can't talk about uh, sex, if you can't talk about um, family or kids or whatever, like it, it's, it's, that means, you know, that's a huge blind spot in the relationship and, and there's going to be consequences. Yeah. And I, and I think this goes without saying, not only is love not enough, but obviously looks are not enough either. Oh yeah. Now, this is fascinating. Something that, you know, not a ton of time is spent on it, but Hollywood and its implications on our relationships. What what is, what is Hollywood do to us? What are some of the the myths that the greater that the general population believes about relationships that are is perhaps hindering us? A happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I think, you know, I I, maybe not happy ending, but like the happily ever after, right? Like it's, there's no end point. Like until one of you dies, there's no end point. (laughs) Until divorce or death, there's no end point, right? So um, in relationships, they go through ups and downs. There are periods where they're extremely passionate and exciting. There's periods where they're not so passionate and exciting. And so you... They're always they're like an ever evolving thing, and uh, and so I think a lot of our narr- our cultural narratives miss the that whole point. You know, it's it's like okay, well here's the problem, and then Jimmy and Susie get back together. Now they're happily ever after, and it's uh, like it like it doesn't end at marriage. It it's just getting started there. Totally, and it, and it's even twenty thirty years into a marriage, like huge problems can emerge and um, people change value shift kids come into the picture people lose jobs that you know they make a bunch of money they lose a bunch of money like it's it's a it's an ongoing organic process and so the the skill isn't necessarily to sim- to simply like find the right person and get it right like the skill is is finding somebody that you can consistently adapt to each other yeah. and uh, m- modify your own e- expectations with each other. Well, speaking about, and I know we're, we're just all over the place and unorganized. That's, I, I apologize to the listeners. I have so many questions that it's just hard to, hard to keep track and, and hard to organize this one. But what if like, you know, speaking of the conversations that you gotta be able to have with your partner, what if Mark, you don't agree on politics. Is that is that a deal breaker for as far as a relationship? I don't think so necessarily. Um, it's it's definitely harder these days than it used to be. But it, it's um, I don't think it has to be. Okay, that's good. Good to know. And what about if somebody's top value is? status and or money is that a red flag 
I think so. Mm. I mean, it's, mm. it's, uh, I mean, because you use the word top, I think so, you know, cause it's ultimately, and, and I would say this, like, regardless of a relationship or not, I think anybody who's top value in life is money and status is like that to me, that's not a healthy individual emotionally. Um, and generally any relationship with an emotionally unhealthy individual is, is going to create an unhealthy relationship. So, you know, and, and that's just, I mean, if we were just talking about business, I would tell people to find something more important than money and status, you know, money and status is great. Like it, we all want it and we all in, enjoy it, but like, the trick is to find something that will create money and status as a side effect, not, not as like the main point. Um, because like really the way you create money and status is by finding something of a higher value for people in society, like creating a product or a service that serves some sort of like higher purpose and then asking people to pay you for it. Like that's what gets people excited to buy something. That's what gets people excited to, um, you know, represent a brand or, or whatever. So, you know, it's, I, I've generally found in, in my career and my life that not only are people who are status and money obsessed, um, <laughs> bad in relationships of all kinds, not just romantic, but, but, um, they actually, they tend to, uh, self-combust in their careers as well they get greedy you know um and they 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 fly too close to the sun they try to do they try to get too much too fast and it it ends up blowing things up for them yeah now something else mark that something i see on on instagram all the time maybe you've seen this too let me know Someone posts a picture with their significant other and they say, they call them my other half. You've seen that, right? <laughs> of course. That to me doesn't seem right in that, you know, essentially I feel like those people are placing their happiness in the other person and they're saying, you know, without this person, I am not complete. Like, no, you're full, whole and complete alone and i think you to be able to go into a a great thriving relationship and i'm not speaking from experience (laughs) you should be uh full whole and complete you shouldn't be like income i don't right is my thinking off like you shouldn't be incomplete going into a relationship like you should have your shit figured out what do you think yeah yeah i i agree um, you don't have to agree with me, Mark. Like seriously. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I do. I just, you know, it's uh my other half or like my better half or whatever. You know, it's a colloquial uh-huh. thing that people say. It's just a pet peeve. <laughs> yeah. No, I can hear that. But I, I get your point, and I do think your point's correct. It's like you can't, and I do think that's a misconception a lot of people have is that uh, a relationship will complete you. And um, first uh-huh. of all, you're never, you're never complete. And second of all, it's like you have to be, you have to be comfortable on your own first. Like you can't really, you can't, you can't give all of yourself to a relationship if you're not able to, um, if you haven't given all of yourself to yourself first. Like if you haven't, if you haven't like done the work yourself first. Uh, So it's. Invest in yourself or nobody will. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's another kind of like unpopular piece of advice that I've given for years. And, and you know, you, you don't, more people need to hear it. You don't hear it. Yeah. Enough. Like I, it's, I, if something happened to my, you know, if my wife got hit by a car or something, you know, like it's, I would be devastated. I would be right hurt and upset and it, sad and depressed for a long time. But I would be okay. Like I know that I would be okay. Mm-hmm. And I know that I would meet somebody else eventually and I would fall in love with somebody else eventually. And it's the same thing if I got hit by a bus and my wife, my wife would be okay eventually. Like that, that's, um, I think it's, it's reaching that point in yourself where you, you don't feel like you need anybody else. You know, some, the other person is supplementing your life. They're not necessarily like completing your life. Yeah. Now, what are some other, unpopular opinions, uncomfortable truths that people don't really like to hear, you know, besides, of course, the uncomfortable truth that you talk about in everything is fucked, I believe, either chapter one or two. But what are, in terms of relationships, what are some uncomfortable truths besides the ones that we were just talking about? Um, I, I think, so another one that's very uncomfortable for people is that it's I often say that it's it's actually very normal to uh, be attracted to people outside the relationship. Oh, this is big. <laughs> um, I think that's completely normal. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's a very human thing. It just means, you know, the commitment isn't like, you're not brainwashed. Like to be committed to somebody, you're not brainwashing yourself and convincing yourself that no other human being exists. It's, what the commitment is, is is it's a commitment of action. You're committing, you're saying like, you know what, there's going to be times where this relationship is not easy or not fun. There's going to be times where I'm I'm attracted to somebody else or, um, you know, somebody cute's going to flirt with me or whatever. Like the commitment is, is your actions in those moments. You know, are you still going to show up for your partner? Are you still going to, you know, be faithful to them or whatever? Yeah. Here's a here's a question that I've long wondered about that you know you hear the advice like oh you know you got you know if you really love them like you know you'll you'll fight for it you know no matter what you guys go through you know you, you got to fight for it but then there's also the point where like you should know when to when to quit you know you you should know when to walk away from the other person because it's an unhealthy relationship what are some of the signs that maybe you should walk away instead of instead of fighting for it well i i think the first sign is if your partner is not fighting for it oh and I, and i think a pattern that a lot of people get into is you know one one person is always fighting for it and the other person is always causing problems. Yeah. But they always like they sabotaging, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But then they give like intermittent rewards to the chaser to keep, you know, to keep stimulating the chase and, and, and keep having the person chasing a little bit. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like a, it's a really ugly cycle where, you know, one person is, is, you know, they're fighting for their relationship. And so they feel important and they feel loved and they feel like they're doing something good. And then the other person is they're they're usually unconsciously, very few people do it on purpose, but they're sabotaging the relationship. And, 
and in their mind they're you know it's they've got this person fighting for them like oh my god this person keeps fighting for me and keeps showing up and keeps like refuses to let me go and that makes them feel important and feel loved and so it actually strangely encourages them to keep sabotaging the relationship mm. uh and so you, you get kind of the sick cycle going. And so it's, you know, the only way fighting for a relationship works is if both people are fighting for it. Both people are showing up and, and giving themselves up for it. Um, Any other signs? E, well, sometimes, you know, sometimes both people fight for the relationship and, and it, it's just not, there's no progress. Uh, one thing I used to I used to say a lot years ago when I coached was was that um, if a relationship's not growing, it's dying. Yeah. And if it there's no such thing as like a stasis. Um, so you know things can can get bad, but if you're both fighting and you're both working on it and doing your best and trying, and it's just not getting better, you know sometimes it's. Not every relationship necessarily has to last forever. Like some, mm. some, like it's one one thing that Dan Savage says a lot that I really like is he says like the this we shouldn't measure the success of a relationship by one person dying, <laughs> um, you know, like of it lasting until somebody dies. Like some relationships need to end. You know, some relationships are great for ten years, and then they don't work anymore. And I think it needs to be okay for people to admit that and and to move on. Okay. Mark, you've answered a lot of my questions today, and, and I thank you for that. I've got like just a, a couple more short ones that I, mm-hmm. I'm still curious about. Opinion on dating apps. Should we use them? Should we not? You know, I I think dating apps are great, but I, I I just I think they should be used consciously and not compulsively. And I think they're they seem to be designed to be used compulsively. So I I just you know people who use them, I I always recommend like use it in such a way that you are trying to screen for people who have similar values for as you or who are looking for kind of the same thing as you don't just like spam a bunch of hot people because they're hot (laughs) well that's the thing with dating apps though you can't really tell i feel like the 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 criteria that is most prevalent is the looks it's hard to really get beyond that on dating apps so yeah it's um i I, you know i've i've actually never used them because i met my wife I met my wife like six months before Tinder came out, and uh, <laughs> which I I used to be bummed out about many years ago, and now I'm like so thankful. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's I would definitely gravitate. You know, my understanding is certain apps have more information about people than others, and I you know if I was single today, I would definitely gravitate towards the apps that have more information about a person's. Uh, you know, more than a picture, basically. Yeah. Now, what about, I feel like people don't ask you about your relationship, Mark. What do you think are the things that really make it work and fuel it on to greater things and keep it growing? What are the, what are the things about your relationship that really work well? Um, you know, I, my wife and I, I think we both 
one, I think both of us, like our highest value is probably honesty. Um, and so I think we're both very good at being honest with each other, even when it's unpleasant. And, you know, sometimes it's difficult to hear it, <laughs> but yeah. at the end of the day, we each appreciate that, that the other is willing to say it. Uh, yeah, you shouldn't it, have it, to hide those things in a healthy relationship. You shouldn't have to keep quiet. No, I, absolutely. Yeah, as we've absolutely. been kind of talking about, and you know, a, a big theme in love is not enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I do think we communicate well in that way. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just we're we're very we're very honest with each other, and um, which is which is something that we control. And then I think the thing that works about us that we don't really, you know, we didn't really control is that that we just have a very similar. Um, value systems and worldviews you know we we kind of see the world in the same way uh we see people in the same way we think about life and business and money in the same way um, which is which is super helpful yeah now this uh you know before i ask my final question my last question about relationships is i think this is the one that could perhaps help the most people and it's that you know, if you, Mark, you know, someone's coming to you and they they feel very lonely and they're feeling down and out about their relationships, uh, romantic relationship life, uh, that area of their life, what would you tell them, advise them? Listen, the love is not enough. <laughs> now available on Audible. Audible. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I don't. I don't think. I don't think there. I don't think anybody should get too down and out about their relationship situation or their dating situation. It like, ain't we that all, serious. Well, we all mess it up, right? And 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 ultimately, it's kind of like what you were saying earlier. It, it, it's if you learn to be happy with yourself, like not only does that make you more fearless in dating, like in, in stating what you want and, you know, be asserting yourself and everything, but it, it also, um, it, it helps you, you know, people find that attractive people, people see that and they're, and they're attracted to it. And so, uh, you know, the people I think who get really down about it, they it's they they judge themselves for it like they feel some sort of shame about it like oh well i'm supposed to be married by now or whatever and and it's it's that is not only is it are you just hurting yourself by kind of wallowing in that but um it's also repellent <laughs> to, to other people 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 sense it and um so my my piece of advice is 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 always learn to be become happy with yourself, get right with yourself, become emotionally healthy yourself, and then then worry about others. Love is not enough. Get the audio uh, audible original only on Audible. Love is not enough. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, Mark, man, thank you for making me feel better, answering all my questions, <laughs> and. Uh, You'll it, be fine. Hey, yeah. if I can, if I can, this is just a hunch uh -huh. for you okay. individually. Okay. I 
try dating women a few years older than you. Try, try meeting women who are like 25, 26, 27. I feel like it's going to be a much better match for you. Ah, so it, what's interesting, you, you have a very good hunch. I, I went too far and I tried dating a 30-year-old a, <laughs> a year and a half ago and almost two years ago. I actually met her on, on vacation in, in uh, Exuma, the Bahamas, and just a magical time. And that was great. Uh, you know, lasted like another month after the vacation, actually, because she lived only two hours from me. Um, and then, and then it's funny because I've started to notice even the the last several girls that women that I've hooked up with, they've all been at least two years older, which I I started to think was interesting. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that you are. Honest, and then I'll, I'll take your advice, Mark. I'll try that. Thank you. And it's something that, that man, I just got to share about you. I started noticing when I, when I listened back to our episode from last year and when I listened to Love is Not Enough, you just, you make people feel good by laughing with them, even if what they say, like, isn't even funny like you just <laughs> like yeah like that like you just yeah. you make you make people feel good uh and and you, i don't know how to explain it but i just thought you should know that maybe you already knew thanks it, ben yeah my I, i'm yeah. i'm 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 uh i think there's value in in, in just finding humor and all all life's yeah. fucked upness because what else are you gonna do but laugh <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I've I've definitely started uh appreciating and 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 showing my humor side more and more over the past year. Um you know, it's not really evident in my podcast, but in my in my personal life with my friends, I'm I'm just becoming less afraid to share that side of me uh that I've shared with my family for so long. I think it is you know, humor is a really great important aspect of life. Mark, my final question. Uh I remember what you said last time. Not going to tell you because I want to see if it changed. But if you could teach a course at a university, a course of your creation or otherwise, what would it be? Ooh. Uh. Probably. I feel like this is what I said last time. I think <laughs> probably emotional intelligence. Um. Like learning to deal with your own uh-huh. thoughts and feelings effectively. What did I say last time? Last time you said a course about values and that you would leave, have the students leave their phones at the doors. Oh, well, yeah, I'd still do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that goes without saying. So emotional intelligence <laughs> this time, Mark Manson, you are the man. Thank you very much. Love is not enough. Get it on audible. Thanks, Mark. Thanks. We've reached the end of this episode of growth mindset university. For more keys to success and methods to inspire your entrepreneurial spirit, head to jordanparis.com slash course and enroll in our free course to elevate your podcast to the next level. Be sure to pass the show along to someone you know who will benefit from the lessons learned in each episode and we'll catch you and them on the next episode of Growth Mindset University.